chapter ten of paul clifford by edward bulwer lytton this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter ten unlike the ribald whose licentious jest pollutes his banquet and insults his guest from wealth and grandeur easy to descend thou joyce to lose the master in the friend we round thy board the cheerful menial see gay with the smile of bland equality no social care the gracious lord disdains love prompts to love and reverence reverence gains translation of lucan to paso prefixed to the twelfth paper of the rambler coyly shone down the bashful stars upon our adventurers as after a short nap behind the haystack they stretched themselves and looking at each other burst into an involuntary and hilarious laugh at the prosperous termination of their exploit hitherto they had been too occupied first by their flight then by hunger then by fatigue for self-gratulation now they rubbed their hands and joked like runaway schoolboys at their escape by degrees their thoughts turned from the past to the future and tell me my dear fellow said augustus what you intend to do i trust i have long ago convinced you that it is no sin to serve our friends and to be true to our party and therefore i suppose you will decide upon taking to the road it is very odd answered paul that i should have any scruples left after your lectures on the subject but i own to you frankly that somehow or other i have doubts whether thieving be really the honestest profession i could follow listen to me paul answered augustus and his reply is not unworthy of notice all crime and all excellence depend upon a good choice of words i see you look puzzled i will explain if you take money from the public and say you have robbed you have indubitably committed a great crime but if you do the same and say you have been relieving the necessities of the poor you have done an excellent action if in afterwards dividing this money with your companions you say you have been sharing booty you have committed an offence against the laws of your country but if you observe that you have been sharing with your friends the gains of your industry you have been performing one of the noblest actions of humanity to knock a man on the head is neither virtuous nor guilty but it depends upon the language applied to the action to make it murder or glory why not say then that you have testified the courage of a hero rather than the atrocity of a ruffian this is perfectly clear is it not we observe in a paragraph from an american paper copied without comment into the morning chronicle 
a singular proof of the truth of tomlinson's philosophy mr rowland stevenson so runs the extract the celebrated english banker has just purchased a considerable tract of land etc most philosophical of paragraphists celebrated english banker that sentence is a better illustration of verbal fallacies than all bentham's treatises put together celebrated oh mercury what a dexterous epithet it seems so answered paul it is so self-evident that it is the way all governments are carried on wherefore my good paul we only do what all other legislators do we are never rogues so long as we call ourselves honest fellows and we never commit a crime so long as we can term it a virtue what say you now paul smiled and was silent a few moments before he replied there is very little doubt but that you are wrong yet if you are so are all the rest of the world it is of no use to be the only white sheep of the flock wherefore my dear tomlinson i will in future be an excellent citizen relieve the necessities of the poor and share the gains of my industry with my friends bravo cried tomlinson and now that that is settled the sooner you are inaugurated the better since the starlight has shone forth i see that i am in a place i ought to be very well acquainted with or if you like to be suspicious you may believe that i have brought you purposely in this direction but first let me ask if you feel any great desire to pass the night by this haystack or whether you would like a song and the punch-bowl almost as much as the open air with the chance of being eaten up in a pinch of hay by some strolling cow you may conceive my choice answered paul well then there is an excellent fellow near here who keeps a public-house and is a firm ally and generous patron of the lads of the cross at certain periods they hold weekly meetings at his house this is one of the nights what say you shall i introduce you to the club i shall be very glad if they will admit me returned paul whom many and conflicting thoughts rendered laconic oh no fear of that under my auspices to tell you the truth though we are a tolerant set we welcome every new proselyte with enthusiasm but are you tired a little the house is not far you say about a mile off answered tomlinson lean on me our wanderers now leaving the haystack struck across part of finchley common for the abode of the worthy publican was felicitously situated and the scene in which his guests celebrated their festivities was close by that on which they often performed their exploit as they proceeded paul questioned his friend touching the name and character of mine host and the all-knowing augustus tomlinson answered him quaker-like by a question have you never heard of gentleman george what the noted head of a flash public-house in the country to be sure i have often my poor nurse dame lopkins used to say he was the best-spoken man in the trade ay so he is still in his youth george was a very handsome fellow but a little too fond of his lass and his bottle to please his father 
a very staid old gentleman who walked about on sundays in a bob wig and a gold-headed cane and was a much better farmer on weekdays than he was head of a public-house george used to be a remarkably smart-dressed fellow and so he is to this day he has a great deal of wit is a very good whist player has a capital cellar and is so fond of seeing his friends drunk that he bought some time ago a large pewter measure in which six men can stand upright the girls or rather the old women to which last he used to be much more civil of the two always liked him they say nothing is so fine as his fine speeches and they give him the title of gentleman george he is a nice kind-hearted man in many things pray heaven we shall have no cause to miss him when he departs but to tell you the truth he takes more than his share of our common purse what is he avaricious quite the reverse but he's so cursedly fond of building he invests all his money and wants us to invest all ours in houses and there's one confounded dog of a bricklayer who runs him up terrible bills a fellow called cunning nat who is equally adroit in spoiling ground and improving ground rent what do you mean ah thereby hangs a tale but we are near the place now you will see a curious set as tomlinson said this the pair approached a house standing alone and seemingly without any other abode in the vicinity it was of curious and grotesque shape painted white with a gothic chimney a chinese signpost on which was depicted a gentleman fishing with the words the jolly angler written beneath and a porch that would have been grecian if it had not been dutch it stood in a little field with a hedge behind it and the common in front augustus stopped at the door and while he paused bursts of laughter rang cheerily within ah the merry boys he muttered i long to be with them and then with his clenched fist he knocked four times on the door there was a sudden silence which lasted about a minute and was broken by a voice within asking who was there tomlinson answered by some cabalistic word the door was opened and a little boy presented himself well my lad said augustus and how is your master stout and hearty if i may judge by his voice ay master tommy ay he's boozing away at a fine rate in the back parlour with mr pepper and fighting addy and half a score more of them he'll be woundy glad to see you i'll be bound show this gentleman into the bar rejoined augustus while i go and pay my respects to honest geordie the boy made a sort of bow and leading our hero into the bar consigned him to the care of sal a buxom barmaid who reflected credit on the taste of the landlord and who received paul with marked distinction and a gill of brandy paul had not long to play the amiable before tomlinson rejoined him with the information that gentleman george would be most happy to see him in the back parlour and that he would there find an old friend in the person of mr pepper what is he here cried paul the sorry knave to let me be caged in his stead gently gently no misapplication of terms said augustus that was not knavery that was prudence the greatest of all virtues and the rarest but come along and pepper shall explain to-morrow threading a gallery or passage augustus preceded our hero opened a door 
and introduced him into a long low apartment where sat round a table spread with pipes and liquor some ten or a dozen men while at the top of the table in an armchair presided gentleman george that dignitary was a portly and comely gentleman with a knowing look and a welsh wig worn as the morning chronicle says of his majesty's hat in a degage manner on one side being afflicted with the gout his left foot reclined on a stool and the attitude developed despite of a lamb's wool stocking the remains of an exceedingly good leg as gentleman george was a person of majestic dignity among the knights of the cross we trust we shall not be thought irreverent in applying a few of the words by which the aforesaid morning chronicle depicted his majesty on the day he laid the first stone of his father's monument to the description of gentleman george he had on a handsome blue coat and a white waistcoat moreover he laughed most good-humouredly as turning to augustus tomlinson he saluted him with so this is the youngster you present to us welcome to the jolly angler give us thy hand young sir i shall be happy to blow a cloud with thee with all due submission said mr tomlinson i think it may first be as well to introduce my pupil and friend to his future companions you speak like a leery cove cried gentleman george still squeezing our hero's hand and turning round in his elbow chair he pointed to each member as he severally introduced his guests to paul here said he here's a fine chap at my right hand the person thus designated was a thin military-looking figure in a shabby riding-frock and with a commanding bold aquiline countenance a little the worse for wear here's a fine chap for you fighting addy we calls him he's a devil on the road halt deliver must and shall can't and shan't do as i bid you or go to the devil that's all fighting addy's palaver and sdeath it has a wonderful way of coming to the point a famous call is my friend addy an old soldier has seen the world and knows what is what has lots of gumption and devil a bit of blarney howsomever the high flowers doesn't like him and when he takes people's money he need not be quite so cross about it addy let me introduce a new pal to you paul made his bow stand at ease man quoth the veteran without taking the pipe from his mouth gentleman george then continued and after pointing out four or five of the company among whom our hero discovered to his surprise his old friends mr eustace fitzherbert and mr william howard russell came at length to one with a very red face and a lusty frame of body that gentleman said he is scarlet jem a dangerous fellow for our press though he says he likes robbing alone now for a general press is not half such a good thing as it used to be formerly you have no idea what a hand at disguising himself scarlet jem is he has an old wig which he generally does business in and you would not go for to know him again when he conceals himself under the wig oh he's a precious rogue is scarlet jem as for the cove on t'other side continued the host of the jolly angler pointing to long ned all i can say of him good bad or indifferent is that he has an unkimmin fine head of hair 
and now youngster as you knows him spose you goes and sits by him and he'll introduce you to the rest for split my wig gentleman george was a bit of a swearer if i bean't tired and so here's to your health and if so be as your name's paul may you always rob peter a portmanteau in order to pay paul this witticism of mine host being exceedingly well received paul went amidst the general laughter to take possession of the vacant seat beside long ned that tall gentleman who had hitherto been cloud compelling as homer calls jupiter in profound silence now turned to paul with the warmest cordiality declared himself overjoyed to meet his old friend once more and congratulated him alike on his escape from bridewell and his admission to the councils of gentleman george but paul mindful of that exertion of prudence on the part of mr pepper by which he had been left to his fate and the mercy of justice burnflat received his advances very sullenly this coolness so incensed ned who was naturally choleric that he turned his back on our hero and being of an aristocratic spirit muttered something about upstart and vulgar cly-fakers being admitted to the company of swell tobymen this murmur called all paul's blood into his cheek for though he had been punished as a cly-faker or pickpocket nobody knew better than long ned whether or not he was innocent and a reproach from him came therefore with double injustice and severity in his wrath he seized mr pepper by the ear and telling him he was a shabby scoundrel challenged him to fight so pleasing an invitation not being announced sotto voce but in a tone suited to the importance of the proposition every one around heard it and before long ned could answer the full voice of gentleman george thundered forth keep the peace there you youngster what are you just admitted into our merry-makings and must you be wrangling already hark ye gemmen i have been plagued enough with your quarrels before now and the first cove as breaks the present quiet of the jolly angro shall be turned out neck and crop shan't he addy right about march said the hero ay that's the word addy said gentleman george and now mr pepper if there be any ill blood twixt you and the lad there wash it away in a bumper of bingo and let's hear no more whatsomever about it i'm willing cried long ned with the deferential air of a courtier and holding out his hand to paul our hero being somewhat abashed by the novelty of his situation and the rebuke of gentleman george accepted though with some reluctance the proffered courtesy order being thus restored the conversation of the convivialists began to assume a most fascinating bias they talked with infinite gout of the sums they had levied on the public and the peculations they had committed for what one called the good of the community and another the established order meaning themselves it was easy to see in what school the discerning augustus tomlinson had learned the value of words there was something edifying in hearing the rascals so nice was their language and so honest their enthusiasm for their own interests you might have imagined you were listening to a coterie of cabinet ministers conferring on taxes or debating on perquisites 
long may the commons flourish cried punning georgie filling his glass it is by the commons we're fed and may they never know cultivation three times three shouted long ned and the toast was drunk as mr pepper proposed a little moderate cultivation of the commons to speak frankly said augustus tomlinson modestly might not be amiss for it would decoy people into the belief that they might travel safely and after all a hedge or a barley field is as good for us as a barren heath where we have no shelter if once pursued you talks nonsense you spoony cried a robber of note called bagshot who being aged and having been a lawyer's footboy was sometimes denominated old bags you talks nonsense these inner waiting ploughs are the ruin of us every blade of corn in a common is an encroachment on the constitution and rights of the gemmon highwaymen i'm old and mayn't live to see these things but mark my words a time will come when a man may go from lunnon to johnny groats without losing a penny by one of us when hounslow will be safe and finchley secure my eyes what a sad thing for us that'll be the venerable old man became suddenly silent and the tears started to his eyes gentleman george had a great horror of blue devils and particularly disliked all disagreeable subjects thunder and oons old bags quoth mine host of the jolly angler this will never do we're all met here to be merry and not to listen to your melancholy terra tarantarums i says ned pepper s'pose you tips us a song and i'll beat time with my knuckles long ned taking the pipe from his mouth attempted like walter scott's lady heron one or two pretty excuses these being drowned by a universal shout the handsome purloiner gave the following song to the tune of time has not thinned my flowing hair long ned's song oh if my hands adhere to cash my gloves at least are clean and rarely have the gentry flash in sprucer clothes been seen sweet public since your coffers must afford our wants relief oh soothes it not to yield the dust to such a charming thief and john may laugh at mine excellent cried gentleman george lighting his pipe and winking at addy i hears as how you be a famous fellow with the lasses ned smiled and answered no man should boast but pepper paused significantly and then glancing at addy said talking of lasses it is my turn to knock down a gentleman for a song and i knock down fighting addy i never sing said the warrior treason treason cried pepper it is the law and you must obey the law so begin it is true addy said gentleman george there was no appeal from the honest publican's fiat so in a quick and laconic manner it being addy's favourite dogma that the least said is the soonest mended the warrior sung as follows fighting addy's song air he was famed for deeds of arms i never robbed a single coach but with a lover's air and though you might my course reproach you never could my hair rise at six dine at two rob your man without ado such my maxims if you doubt their wisdom to the right about 
signing to a sallow gentleman on the same side of the table to send up the brandy-bowl pass round the bingo of a gun you musty dusky husky son john bull who loves a harmless joke is apt at me to grin but why be cross with laughing folk unless they laugh and win john bull has money in his box and though his wits divine yet let me laugh at johnny's locks and john may laugh at mine much of whatever amusement might be occasioned by the not we trust ill-natured travesties of certain eminent characters in this part of our work when first published like all political allusions loses point and becomes obscure as the application ceases to be familiar it is already necessary perhaps to say that fighting addy herein typifies or illustrates the duke of wellington's abrupt dismissal of mr huskisson the sallow gentleman in a hoarse voice addy the bingo's now with me i can't resign it yet do you see addy seizing the bowl resign resign it cease your dust resting it away and fiercely regarding the sallow gentleman you have resigned it and you must chorus you have resigned it and you must while the chorus laughing at the discomfited tippler yelled forth the emphatic words of the heroic addy that personage emptied the brandy at a draught resumed his pipe and in as few words as possible called on bagshot for a song the excellent old highwayman with great diffidence obeyed the request cleared his throat and struck off with a ditty somewhat to the tune of the old woman old bags's song are the days then gone when on hounslow heath we flashed our nags when the stoutest bosoms quailed beneath the voice of bags ne'er was my work half undone lest i should be nabbed slow was old bags but he never ceased till the whole was grabbed chorus till the whole was grabbed when the slow coach paused and the gemmen stormed i bore the brunt and the only sound which my grave lips formed was blunt still blunt oh those jovial days are ne'er forgot but the tape lags when i be's dead you'll drink one pot to poor old bags chorus to poor old bags ay that we will my dear bagshot cried gentleman george affectionately but observing a tear in the fine old fellow's eye he added cheer up what ho cheer up times will improve and providence may yet send us one good year when you shall be as well off as ever you shakes your pole well don't be humdurgeon but knock down a gemmin dashing away the drop of sensibility the veteran knocked down gentleman george himself oh dang it said george with an air of dignity i ought to skip since i finds the lush but howsomever here goes gentleman george's song air o king cole i bees the cove the merry old cove of whose macks all the rufflers sing and a lushing cove i thinks by jove is as great as a sober king chorus is as great as a sober king whatever the noise as is made by the boys at the bar as they lush away the devil annoys my peace alloys as long as the rascals pay chorus as long as the rascals pay 
what if i sticks my stones and my bricks with mortar i takes from the snobbish all who can feel for the public wheel likes the public house to be bobbish chorus likes the public house to be bobbish there gemmin said the publican stopping short that's the pith of the matter and split my wig but i'm short of breath now so send round the brandy augustus you sly dog you keeps it all to yourself by this time the whole conclave were more than half seas over or as augustus tomlinson expressed it their more austere qualities were relaxed by a pleasing and innocent indulgence paul's eyes reeled and his tongue ran loose by degrees the room swam round the faces of his comrades altered the countenance of old bags assumed an awful and menacing air he thought long ned insulted him and that old bags took the part of the assailant doubled his fist and threatened to put the plaintiff's knob into chancery if he disturbed the peace of the meeting various other imaginary evils beset him he thought he had robbed a mail-coach in company with pepper that tomlinson informed against him and that gentleman george ordered him to be hanged in short he laboured under a temporary delirium occasioned by a sudden reverse of fortune from water to brandy and the last thing of which he retained any recollection before he sank under the table in company with long ned scarlet jem and old bags was the bearing his part in the burden of what appeared to him a chorus of last dying speeches and confessions but what in reality was a song made in honour of gentleman george and sung by his grateful guests as a finale of the festivities it ran thus the robber's grand toast a tumbler of blue ruin fill fill for me red tape those as likes it may drain but whatever the lush it a bumper must be if we ne'er drinks a bumper again now now in the crib where a ruffler may lie without fear that the traps should distress him with a drop in the mouth and a drop in the eye here's to gentleman george god bless him god bless him god bless him here's to gentleman george god bless him among the pals of the prince i've heard it's the go before they have tippled enough to smarten their punch with the best curago more connish to render the stuff i boast not such lush but whoever his glass does not like i'll be hanged if i press him upstanding my kiddies round round let it pass here's to gentleman george god bless him god bless him god bless him here's to gentleman george god bless him see see the fine fellow grows weak on his stumps assist him you rascals to stand why ye stir not a peg are you all in the dumps fighting addy go lend him a hand the robbers crowd around gentleman george each under pretence of supporting him pulling him first one way and then another come lean upon me at your service i am get away from his elbow you whelp him you'll only upset them air fellows but sham here's to gentleman george god help him god help him god help him here's to gentleman george god help him End of chapter ten